Welcome to the Talk with Clads podcast. Your host is Katie Ann, an island girl on a journey with her guests to learn about their backgrounds, businesses, passions, experiences, life lessons, and wins. Come and laugh, cheer, learn, and plan with us. My friend, take some time to come and talk with Clads. Welcome to Talk with Clads. My name is Katie Ann, and I will be your host for today. We have a special, special guest in the house today. We have Mrs. Melanie Grant Moss, and she is with the non-for-profit Patients with Patients. So, Melanie, welcome, welcome, welcome. Hey, hey, <laughs> Hello. All nice right. being here. I can't. I'm so glad that I'm finally here. <laughs> right. Thank you. Thank you, Melanie. So tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us about your um, organization. So um, Patients with Patients of America um, is a nonprofit organization that I started. So um, as she said, I'm Melanie Grant. And of course, I, you know, I honestly can tell you that I started a nonprofit for people, individuals who are dealing with um, sickle cell disease, um, not only sickle cell, but any uh, real terminal chronic illness. And it's an advocacy program that we started um, uh, at about 2016 is when we started the, the organization. And it was basically to focus on creating a space for advocacy uh, for patients who don't have a voice. So basically, a voice for the voiceless. That's basically what we wanted to do. And what we internalized with the company, when we found out what we wanted to do, we internalized the problem that we realized that so many people out there go to the doctor, go to the physician, they um, go to you know a medical professional, and when they come home, they're not understanding 100% what the physician or what that medical professional has told them about their disease and their healthcare process. And so what we do is we kind of not only help the patient understand, um, but also help that healthcare professional understand the individual needs and wants of a patient who has, whether it be lupus, whether it be sickle cell, whether it be, um, you know, multiple sclerosis it just depends on what you know what disease that person is battling and how we can assist them um, and advocate for them and really help that that you know healthcare professional understand them better okay so I, I heard you mention sickle cell it is something that is you know I can speak about because it runs in my family so can you um, discuss what sickle cell is Sickle cell disease, I actually have the disease. I, um, and it, like you said, it runs in your family, which I, I didn't even know that. It definitely runs in um, a minority-based family. So a lot of people who, if you are a minority, if you are a Latino, African-American, um, those are the families mostly. Sometimes I've also found it now, as, as we've gone through research, we found that even some Jewish people have been um, plagued by, by the disease as well. But it's mainly an African-American descended disease. Mm -hmm. And 
what it is is the cells in your body are shaped like icicles. So some are shaped around like normal and the others are shaped, let's say about, I would say if I gave a percentage, I would say about 50% of the cells that you produce will be sickle shaped, which makes it harder for those oxygen, um, for oxygen to be carried in those cells. So what ends up happening when you have, you know, those sickled cells that are shaped differently, they end up clumping together in the vein, causing excruciating pain. And that is what, you know, basically is the basis of the disease. Um, severe pain, uh, what they call a crisis. The medical term, usually they use what's called a sickle cell crisis. And well, crisis is really when you're going through excruciating pain until um, you're either able to get fluids in your system or um, get what, you know, what usually the treatment is of fluids or a blood transfusion, which they're entering, you know, new cells in your body to kind of flush away those clumps um, of, of cells in the vein. So basically with sickle cell disease, you have to get it from the parents it can only be transferred from genotype to genotype oh so it's, it's so inherited it's one out of four. yes okay it's an inherited disease um you must have two people that carry the the, the trait in order for you to come out with it fully so it's called basically they say one out of five right so i have the trait so if i had a child with someone that has the trait then the possibility of my that child then they could get sickle cell did i get that right that's correct so you have a 50 50 chance uh once you have someone who does have the trait that every time you get pregnant there's like it's like flipping a coin every time you get pregnant it's a 50 50 chance that that child will come out with sickle cell yeah yeah so my mom had the trait i have the trait one of my children have the trait um but two of my children don't have the trait Mm. And then that's also too the trait um, is is definitely something where you don't necessarily when you when you're a carrier of the trait you don't necessarily will will experience the pain and the painful crisis episodes but what happens is you you could have um, small symptoms that you know, if you're playing sports or if you're playing any activities outside, sometimes you could feel winded uh, quicker than most. Sometimes if you go on high altitudes, you can get a little ache and pain, but nothing, nothing serious, nothing that needs uh, medical attention that would lead you most of the time. Uh, people who are carriers of the trait don't need to go to the hospital when they, you know, if they get sick or anything like that. Most of the time, they really never even aren't even symptomatic so it just depends on that person i've had people who i've known that have had the trait played volleyball or played some type of sport in high school and just realized that they needed to really keep hydrated or else they were going to have a situation where they could pass out um there is a, a famous football player um i'm not sure of his name but he this was in the, the 1980s, I believe, 80s or 90s. He passed out and actually passed away because of overexertion. And they found out that he did have sickle cell. Sickle he had cell. the trait. 
And yes, he wasn't a carrier of the full-blown disease, but he had the trait. And that's why his overexertion was something that uh, happened to him. And unfortunately, he didn't recognize that happened and he passed out while he was playing football. Okay. So Mm -hmm. um, what are some risk factors, um, you know, when it comes on to the minority communication people? Like what, what are some complications from sickle cell? So, um, well, for me, I have, both of my parents have the trait. So my mom has um, uh, the trait, my dad has the trait. So, uh, and I'm their only child. So I came out with it 100%. Now, what happens is, even though I do have what's called uh, sickle cell SS, they have SC, SS, you know, um, different trait types. The complications that can come with that is uh, sometimes you can get a stroke. Sometimes um, as children get older, you know, um, they develop, you know, maybe uh, lung issues. They can also develop what's called um, acute chest syndrome, which is basically they have a really bad pneumonia. Um, A lot of people who have sickle cell get pneumonia really quickly Mm -hmm. uh, because there's not enough oxygen in the body to carry and support um, the lung function as well as support the um, the functions of you know the the heart. So some people have organ issues. You know, uh, people who are who are not uh, SS carriers. So SS carriers is full blown. That means you have one of the most severe um, parts of the disease. That means your disease process. You probably have painful crisis very often. You show signs of symptoms very early in age as as a child. Um, Your crisis probably lasts very long. Uh, There's a lot of variables to having SS. But if you have SC, you may not have those painful crises, but you'll have, um, you know, maybe you need your spleen taken out because your spleen is giving you an issue. And, you know, that's a complication. Maybe you have uh, men have prior prison, which they have really... um, lengthy erections that can cause really, really painful, 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 um, long hours of being in, in an erected state. Mm. So they would have to get a transplant. Sometimes they have to get a transplant or they have to go to the hospital and, so that the doctor can give them something or an injection in their penis or in some way so that they can no longer have that erection. So that uh, happens so, with men. Uh, how does, so does this happen during intercourse or it just? No, it just happens. You know, it's a crisis. So you get a crisis. Well, for men, um, I know a guy, he got, you know, he had a crisis in in his penis. And unfortunately, <laughs> it's, you just get a, a full-blown erection for like four hours. Oh, Lord. And yeah, and it's it's not, it's literally, you know, an erection for longer than, you know, an hour is danger zone, even if you're a healthy person. So, you know, when that happens, it can really be painful. It can hurt. Um, there's also a complication in, in, um, babies. Sometimes babies can have swollen arms, swollen legs. They can have, um, disformed, you know, appendages, joints. Sometimes you have complications of, of like jaundice eyes, maybe your eyes are yellow all the time. Um, so there's a lot of different things that sickle cell presents itself within uh, someone who has that disease. Now, is there a cure for sickle cell? 
right now um, there is not a, a, I wouldn't call it a cure, but there is a treatment plan that leads to curing the disease in the body. So, uh, and what I mean by that is that there's not a full-blown cure that you can do something and then um, for an adult and it's over. So you can't take anything or, or do a procedure and it's over. Right now, they've came come out with a lot of um, new procedures where they do what's called stem cell transplant and they do it more so in children because the children, it's easier for children to um, rebuild their immune system back. So like think of if you had chemo and if you had to get chemo, radiation, all of those things so that somebody can implant their, their healthy red blood cells into your blood cells, into your body so that now you will reproduce those healthy red blood cells. So if you have a good donor, you'd have to find somebody who is, you know, uh, a 99 to 100% match. Um, they call it maybe one out of 10. So you score one out of 10. If you have a match that's a 10, that means that person has an exact genotype as you. And when you produce the healthy red blood cells, you'll start producing as if you were them. So I have a um, an advocate now she's a child advocate for patients with patients and her mom was able to be her donor because she had a lot of complications with sickle cell sc and she was going through they had to put her through puberty they had to um uh, not not puberty they had to put her through she was like 16 14 and they had to actually put her through menopause in order to shut down her system they had to do a whole lot mm. because she was having severe complications she was bleeding uncontrollably she was having dizzy spells she wasn't able to function she was having a lot of pain she was in the hospital months and months and months on end so what they were able to do which they usually don't do they like a donor outside but they were able to find a miracle within her mom so her mom donated her healthy red blood cells to reproduce within her daughter. So now her daughter has sickle cell trait. So she has she, she no longer has sickle cell disease, meaning she won't ever get sick. Now she produces and presents like a normal person without the disease at all. Mm -hmm. So every time she produces healthy red blood cells, they're really her mom's healthy blood blood cells that she's producing oh. that has the trait and that's a carrier. That means, like I said, they're not hospitalized. They don't have any, any pain crises. They don't have any real complications and they live a normal life. Okay. All right. So let's talk a little bit more about patients with patients. And as you mm -hmm. said, it, you, you started it to, to create a place where um, anyone with a, a what was the term you used? Disease, uh, life. They could. They have a space, a safe space, pretty much. A safe space, right? Advocacy. Um, somebody who really understands the disease has been through many um, adversities, complications. Even a healthcare provider or a healthcare advocate, somebody who kind of can each one teach one. It's kind of like an each one teach one type of thing. I've been through it. I've gone through it, I've learned, I've overcome challenges. And here is how I can lend what I've learned to you and be your advocate and be your voice so that you can in turn 
do the same thing and pay it forward to someone else, you know? So basically I'm helping you better manage your crisis because I'm living my life. I'm doing what I have to do. I go um, anywhere I need to go. I just get married. You know, things that are normal to everybody else on a normal day basis is 10 times difficult for someone who's living with sickle cell disease or any chronic illness. Okay. So with that being said, you're able to find an avenue where you find someone who is living their life to their max potential or the max that they have found within themselves. And you're able to kind of foster that into encouragement for someone who is not so fortunate and is struggling and who doesn't really understand how to navigate through life, waking up every morning and possibly could be, you know, in a painful crisis and have to go to the hospital or not. You know, you just really don't know that's the life of a sickle cell uh, person or someone who has the disease. So because of that, it can be discouraging and having someone who can help you is what we foster at Patients with Patients. That's why it's called Have Patients with with Patients. So what are some long-term and short-term goals for uh, Patients with Patients? The best thing I can say is that we have, in the inset, we've set a certain goal. We've had, you know, a gala. We've had, we've raised funding. We've done the the groundwork um, for the company. And our short-term goal in the beginning was to, in 2016 and 17 when it started, was to really just get the word out and really build um, a community of people who understood their disease and was able to go back out and train others. And so that was our our short-term goal, you know, getting people boots on the ground, getting people in the hospitals, getting people to, you know, stand up for each other, um, really talking to each other on, you know, little things as small as, I'm having a baby. I've never gone through, you know, my having a pregnancy um, and actually living with this disease that can cause, you know, illness or, or it can cause me to be sick while I'm pregnant. What do I do? Well, I have had a baby and I know what to do mm. and I can lend that. So those things, you know, um, was our short term goal, really just getting the word out and getting people to really get out there. The long-term goal at at the time, and still is now, is really trying to reinvent the organization now that COVID has hit. Mm. Because COVID changed a lot for our company because our, our base was hiring advocates to go into the hospital to be a liaison between the healthcare provider and the patient. That's what we did. That's what we did since 2017 to now. And because now the laws in the hospital changed because of COVID, you couldn't just go into the hospital anymore. Right. You couldn't just go into healthcare centers anymore. You couldn't, even though my advocate is on my paperwork and on my medical information, and that's the person who I want to talk about my care, um, it was difficult for that advocate to gain access 
to the hospital when it's infected with COVID <laughs> or yeah. when they have COVID patients on the floor, you know? So for us, it kind of halted our work in the sense where now we have to create a new trajectory on how we're going to still, you know, we still have phone advocacy. You know, you still can talk to people over the phone. You still can do Zoom calls and, and um, you know, lend a hand over the phone. But as you know, even through a Zoom call, nothing helps someone um, like actually a person-to-person relationship. Yeah. And especially when you're going through something so, you know, um, so serious and so, you know, so intricate when it comes on to somebody's health care, it's very hard for you to reach out and really understand and have that person understand you if they're not able to really see you and you're able not, you know, to touch them and say, I understand what you're going through and I can help, you know? So with that being said, I have decided to create a space where long-term we're going to now try to lend a hand in a way where we reach it through the provider. So the provider becomes the advocate as well. Okay. And, and if by I provider, can... what, who do you mean? Like the, the, the doctor? Your doctor. Okay. Mm-hmm. Your doctor will also be will be your advocate. Your your doctor's already your advocate as it, as it is, but or should be your advocate. Should be, right? But how do we get them to understand past what they've learned in the book? Past what they've learned to to do in school. And that's what we're trying to do. Helping physicians and um, when I say healthcare providers, I'm also talking about the nurses. I'm also talking about the you know the medical assistants everybody that touches that patient even the people who are just the caregivers at home caregiver at home could be your mom mm-hmm. caregiver at home could be your grandmother or your, your husband. auntie yeah. your husband right so that's how we have to attack it and i and i'm saying this here today on 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 your podcast because as i think about it that's the only way we're going to be able to really long-term stay relevant. If we in in turn create a program where we're teaching and training healthcare providers, professionals, and advocates in home in order to give them what they're supposed to get when they are in the hospital, because who comes to see you when you're in the hospital now, even if you have COVID, Nobody's going to come to see you, but you have access to your family. Okay. So do you find physicians very receptive to um, what you're trying to do, what, what patients what patients is, is doing, like what your, your goal is? Or are you getting some pushback? No. Um, actually, that's a good question. I actually have gotten um, exceptional feedback. Uh, physicians have wanted to know for years how to better assist and connect with their patients past the bedside, past when they leave the office. And they were dying to find out a way and and they didn't understand how to. And so this was the way. And so I got so many physicians that were, that loved the idea 
that wanted to help that that did help um, one of the physicians that we work with closely um, is our our medical uh, one of our medical team members he is from University of Miami he's a sickle cell adult physician his name is dr. Thomas Harrington and he was very key and intricate when we started out um, getting the word out because he was able to get us to a place where the the person who started uh, the training and teaching and created the manual per se on treatment modalities of sickle cell disease was um, Dr. Sargent, Dr. Graham Sargent in, in the University of Jamaica, the West Indies, University of West Indies in Jamaica. And so he connected our company with um, Dr. Sargent and we were able to go down to Jamaica, meet with him. He created the model for the world, all over the world in England. They all use the training system that he created in order to treat sickle cell today here in America and all over. So we were able to meet with him. He, he was able to come to our gala, speak, give his presentation, do um, University of Miami presentations. And the doctors were... There was about at least between Broward County, Miami-Dade County, as well as West Palm Beach County. We were able to get all of the physicians to come to our gala and hear him speak and also get um, a one-on-one -on -one account of how they can do better with their practice, um, individually treating patients in our area. CLAD's resources and consulting values its customers. Our Planner Footsteps to My Vision is a 13-month planner that can be used for five years. It walks you through SMART goals, SWOT analysis, action planning, and holds you accountable through three monthly check-ins. We work only with top quality materials, innovative designs, and verified suppliers which are guaranteed to deliver to our high expectations because when it comes to our customer satisfaction, there's no room for compromise. Made with high quality PU leather and paper planner helps you focus on achieving your goals by giving you a sense of personal and professional satisfaction. Some of the amazing features of this product, vision board planner, luxury pen, eight gigabyte USB flash drive, wireless mouse, ultra elegant packaging box, available in five stunning colors, black, red, gold, pink, navy blue. Material, PU leather, 13 month planner, elastic band for easy handling. Our footsteps to my vision is available at Amazon, Facebook, Instagram, our website, and at Walmart. You may also follow us at www.cladsresources.com, Instagram, Clads Resources, Facebook, www.facebook.com forward slash Clads Resources forward slash. You're listening to Talk with Clads. Find more resources online at cladsresources.com. Now back to the show with your host, Katie Ann. does your organization compare to other organizations like like working pretty on the same cause like how how do you differentiate yourself that's a great question um so there's a multitude what we call them um 
in our community. We call them um, community-based organizations, right? And the community-based organizations are all over. There's a multitude in every city across the world, especially when you're when you're facilitating a service. There's a multitude of people who do something or something similar or something in the same family. So for us, uh, when I went to college and um, I studied marketing and I studied businesses and what set McDonald's aside from Burger King, they sell the same product. Mm -hmm. They have the same you know, things that they use, the same ingredients they use as far as their, you know, their lettuce, tomato, and whatever, right? But what sets them aside from one or the other is their brand management and how they deliver their product, right, to the masses. So for me, I knew that as an advocate, I wanted to to have a company that I was going to give something back, but I wanted it to actually tap into the client. Now, with that being said, what was going to set me aside from all the other advocacy programs? The fact that we were directly attacking the physician. We were uh, attacking the physician in the sense of working with the physician to make something happen. There are other organizations, yes, that work with physicians, but how we were going to be different is that we were going to bridge the gap between the physician and the patient so that there is no, you're my doctor, I'm your patient. There has to be a relationship between the two so that they're both walking side by side dealing with this traumatic experience together. You're not just my physician. You write down some notes and you don't see me for three months. That's not how, how we wanted to build our relationship. And so that was what we were going to pride ourselves in expressing. How we were going to turn key the advocacy program to where it tapped directly to the patient and it wasn't just, oh, we're going to hand out, you know, some care packages. Oh, we're going to give you some toothbrushes when you're not feeling well. Oh, we're going to give you a blanket. Nothing's wrong with that. We, we support all of those avenues. We support fundraising. We support all of those things. But we really wanted you to benefit from the relationship that we build with you so that you can turn, become your own advocate. Because the whole premise... And that what was going to make my cheeseburger stand aside from everybody else's cheeseburger is that one day that cheeseburger needs to be able to stand alone as a main course. Mm -hmm. And I wanted my patient to stand alone as a main course. I wanted that patient to be able to then turn around and become the teacher. So how did you um, bridge the gap between the physician and the, the, the patient? So what what is important to know about any relationship, whether you have um, a, a disease or not. Um, finding the right person, everybody has a person that is different from the rest, right? So when you are dealing with a chronic illness, 
your family physician is your family physician that every it, she treats everybody in your family and you have a close relationship but when you're talking about dealing with a patient that has a specific disease that specifically only affects them in a different way than it affects everybody else who has that same disease is exactly where we had to then try to pair the physician with the patient based on the personality trait of that patient and the personality trait of of the physician. Meaning, if I am someone who has a doctor already, but my doctor's maybe not as attentive as Mary Lou's doctor, or maybe they're not as proficient in the knowledge, they only have maybe three um, sickle cell patients that they've treated before versus another physician who has more sickle cell patients on their roster that they're more proficient in the disease. Then you, you kind of, what we do is we try to shift the right doctor with the right physician. Some people are comfortable with their physician and some people aren't. So what we do is just make sure that that patient is paired with the right doctor, with the right companion, with the person who really cares versus the person who comes to work. So that was where, how we were able to bridge the gap by really trying to build a relationship based on each physician and each patient individually. So, you know, a case in point for me would be I have a patient who will say, you know, they love their doctor, but they're missing these things. Okay, so we know that a, there's another doctor in the same area that does the same thing that your doctor does, but maybe they do it a little better. Or maybe they, they know a little bit more. We ask you to talk to your doctor and see if they have a relationship with all the other physicians in the area so that your doctor can possibly work with someone who knows more. So your doctor more than likely will say, yeah, you know, I've heard of that physician. He's really good. You know, he does what I do, but, you know, you can go ahead and, because some, some physicians, they really will not be upset if you're going to find the right person that's going to help you. And maybe sometimes they'll even work with them. Mm -hmm. My doctor works with, um, my doctor in, in Miami works with my doctor here in Palm Beach. And if something is going on and, you know, he's not sure, he'll say, hey, you, you know, let's call him and see if he, what does he think. Okay, and let's do this. Let's get this done together. So they will work together. It's just a matter of, you know, making it happen. Okay. So where does your support, because you mentioned earlier in the podcast that you've done a gala as a part of your short-term goal. Uh, where does your support typically come from? Financial support comes from, um, from the people who are, you know, mostly people who are, have worked with us in the past, um, like centers that worked with us in the past, um, the physicians that worked with us in the past. We also raise money by, you know, selling, like selling books of physicians who, like this, the physician I mentioned, um, Dr. Sargent, he wrote a book and if he comes out with a new book, he lets us know, we can help him sell it. He, his proceeds are always donated back to us and you know we help him out vice versa if he needs something you know a medical device or anything we help we go send it to him in Jamaica we also get 
funding by if we have a, a small event, we will charge for tickets. We get funding by that. So fundraisers, small little events, and also um, a lot of contribution that we get come from people who just want to want to give you know people say hey i have a family member who has the disease too and you know this is a great cause you know how much you know can i donate to your to your organization and any anywhere from a dollar to a hundred dollars or more it's up to you okay all right and then how do people typically donate to you so right now um people can go on my website um I'm actually working on we're actually restructuring the website now but my website is once it's up and running again <laughs> because it just came down but um we're actually working on restructuring it and it's www.patientswithpatients.com you also can go on amazon uh sorry patientswithpatients.org but you can also go on amazon and if you are on amazon and you 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 have a a membership with Amazon, you can actually go down and scroll down to um, uh, smile.amazon.com and all you have to do is pick, it'll ask you what charity do you want to support and you can put in patience, P-A-T-I-E-N-C-E with patience, it'll come up and you'll click on it and 3% of whatever you, you know, you purchase will go back to Patients with Patients. Also, um, other ways to give is through our PayPal. We have a a running PayPal um, donation. You just type in Patients with Patients, it comes up. PWP of America, it comes up, and you can donate whatever you want. Okay. So that's how people go and donate to us. Okay, so I I think I have it. So they can go on your website at Mm -hmm. patientswithpatients.org. Not Mm -hmm. .com. So just remember. No, that, not .com. (laughs) Sorry, .org. .org. Um, They can go to Amazon, and it says it's smile smile.amazon.com okay and it's going to ask you what uh, organization would you like to support and you just type in patients with patients in Wellington uh, Florida okay and And it'll automatically anytime you purchase from Amazon it'll automatically go to patients with patients okay and then also on PayPal and then you can go on PayPal and type in the same information, and you can also send us back Cash App. People donate through Cash App as well. PWP of America is the Cash App, and that's it. Okay. All right. So um, what if someone can't donate financially? Is there another way they can help? Sure. Um, so some people can't don- donate financially, but they can lend their time. They can lend... Um, if they'd like to be an advocate, they can take our course. We have an uh, a advocacy course. They would just email patientswithpatients at gmail.com, and we will go through and sign them up for the, the class. Um, it's given by a certified um, registered nurse with the state of Florida, and it's an advocacy program course that you go through. It literally is um, a 48-hour course. You take the the exam and if you pass then you can start giving phone support immediately okay and so what does the advocacy course teaches so it will teach you the skills that um that you need in order to lend emotional support to a patient um 
basically support when it comes on to uh, health care support, meaning sometimes people don't understand the healthcare system. So it's gonna sh teach you the healthcare system as far as um, the chain of command in the hospital. So when you're lending support to someone who may be having an issue within the hospital or they're in the hospital and the doctor or the, or the nurse is not really listening to what they're saying, you, can, um, you will learn the chain of command of who you can instruct that patient to talk to to get more assistance and get help in the hospital. So we teach you chain of command. We teach you who, um, to find a hospital li liaison. We also will teach you how to give and lend the communication skills that you need when you're talking to a patient that's going through a traumatic I issue. They could be in crisis and you have to talk them down. Um, so we teach you those skills to talk someone down when they are at a high intense level of pain. Um, all of those things are the, th the things that the, the nurse teaches you. And, and those are, I'm sure, I, 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 if I'm someone that's going through that and you have, I have someone that is, you know, at times you can't advocate for yourself. Yeah. You know, so if you have Some someone, people don't know, you know, little things like, oh, I just, you know, case in point, I have um, a family member that had a baby. The baby has the disease and the mom is not really proficient on what to do. So she's listening to whatever the doctor says. And they go to the hospital. The hospital tries to give them morphine. Now, the emergency hospital is giving morphine. That's all they know to give. But that kid is not only not only not even three years old yet. Mm. So those are things that our nurse will teach you how to maybe ask, you know, your ER doctor for other options. Say, hey, you know. I'm really not comfortable with giving my two-year-old morphine just yet. Is there other things? What about Toradol? What about those are things? Maybe you don't even know what Toradol is. You yeah. don't know what, you know, certain medications are. So the nurse will basically be able to help you with that. And those are the things that you learn in, you know, and if you don't know and you're in that situation, you also have access, 24-hour access to our nurse that will basically, you know, help you talk somebody off the ledge if they're in a problem where they're panicking their child is sick and they need help you know yeah so melanie what what's one thing that you wish that you'd known um before starting uh patients with patients uh, one thing i wish i knew before starting pwp would be I wish someone told me that a 501c3, any organization, but a 501c3 specifically, even though you have a team, your executive director will always be the, the beginning and the end of the organization for the first couple years going into it mm. without the executive director nothing will happen without the executive director so you can have a board of people you can hire um, a staff of 15 doesn't matter without the executive director manning the ship the ship won't sail mm. 
Okay. <laughs> you need someone to man the ship, right? Man the ship. <laughs> I, wish, I wish that somebody told me that. Because then I would have at least been able to be prepared to know that part. <laughs> well, but, yeah. I, you know, I came into it thinking, oh, I got a board. so And I got a board of people who are like 50 and 60 years old. You know, they're older people. So <laughs> they will always get things done. No, no, no. <laughs> you still have to have that executive director to man the ship. Okay. Mm-hmm. And sometimes age doesn't mean that things will get done. <laughs> so I tell you, somebody should have told me. I wish because I'm thinking, oh, you know, because they're older, <laughs> you know, older people, you know, they're responsible. They know, and not not that they're not, you know, and not that they're not attentive, but it's just that it you, you don't know, and it's not. It's with every organization, the board is there to guide, but you still need this ship to run and with every organization down to you know whether it's it's for healthcare or not that is the main focus on a 51c3 that you know um, my nonprofit and I had a nonprofit consultant which he's really exceptional he's still you know he still works with me to till this day but he definitely said hey you you know the the executive director is it like that's the guy okay that's the guy no matter what yeah yeah you need a, you need a team and i think you also need a good grant writer i worked in oh, a no- oh god <laughs> if they would have told me that too <laughs> listen i know someone if that's a really good grant writer that. so honey, they they, they know how to write to to, to honey, really... once you have a good grant writer you're gone clear <laughs> and i found one um but the only thing is that, you know, I found a good grant writer who used to write grants for huge, 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 huge companies. However, she retired in her own, um, in her own, you know, sector of work. And, you know, once again, you know, even though she's retired, it's something where her time is now spent with a lot with her grandchildren mm-hmm. and the grandchildren have school. So, you know, it's like, you have to be she, she her availability was limited so but she's if i had to choose she would be the best one but unfortunately just the timing for her wasn't so what i realized is i have to be able to teach myself to how to write grants mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's a whole nother thing <laughs> it, it 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 sure is it's, it's an art it really it's an art in itself honey. it really is an art in itself mm-hmm. so you know, you, you said, what, what are some lessons, um, apart from the, the you know, you need the, the board, what are, what are some lessons that you've learned along the way while, while um, pursuing this journey? I've learned that patience is everything. And don't, don't be eager for anything, you know, um, what's for you is for you Mm. and um no matter what happens no matter if it's a year two years if you know because you you know when you go in you have all these goals and you have all these things that you want to do and you have all but when you're assigned this this didn't come to me just like this the uh starting a nonprofit wasn't like oh today i'm going to start a nonprofit. no i was put on an assignment by god and when I when you're assigned to do something by God, um, no matter what happens, even if you put it down tomorrow, 
it will always still be your assignment to pick up again. So it's something where I've learned that um, what's for you is for you and and your assignment is never over until God says so. Mm, and that you know what and, and I, I think patience patience is so difficult girl patience <laughs> patience right patience patience, patience. Pa- patience is really a, a, a good name right patience mm-hmm. you, you know patience with patience patience because remember now in life we all try to control every aspect of our own lives right that is and true. no matter what we know that we're not the captain of the ship. We know that God is the captain of the ship. Well, but for some reason, we still choose to think that we are the drivers. And we're not. All we're doing is facilitating the vehicle to get the car where it needs to go. But at the end of the day, God is driving and he's in control. And, you know, I don't know, you know, um, everybody else's, you know, what people think as far as our religion. But I know for me, I know that life just doesn't happen. And and through sickle cell, it has allowed me to know that there is a higher power. Because for me, I could have died a long time ago. I could have had, you know, a lot of complications that could have caused my death when I was younger. um, That I know that I've pulled through and I didn't pull through by myself. I know that something, you know, somewhere God was in control of that. So with that being said, even though as humans we try to control everything, at the end of the day, patience, if you don't have patience, no matter what you do, you'll be trying to kill yourself to try to get certain things done, then it's not time. So patience is really, really key. Yeah, patience is definitely key. Patience with patience, right? Yep. I yep, say, they say sometimes mana plan got a wipe. <laughs> right? You have plans. Yeah. But they're not your plans to plan. Yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes you do need to plan. You uh, plan. Yeah. Of course you plan. But <laughs> from the person who has a planner. Plan. <laughs> they're not your plan. You're, I didn't I didn't study. Okay. <laughs> they're your plans, but mm-hmm. they're not your plan to plan. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because if you think about it, the plan is well set out and you're planning something but the plan came into your head from somewhere else and you didn't think of that so it's not your plan to plan hello Mm. okay yeah just a little word (laughs) just 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 a little gem i'm just dropping a little little word just a little little jewel well is there any questions that i that you would have liked for me to have asked you that i have not asked you so far in the podcast okay i can tell you this um i've been interviewed multiple times i've been i've been um you know on uh, a believe in yourself podcast before i've been in uh podcasts that that have been conducted overseas i mean literally uh, you know um different avenues of media however i can tell you and i'm not even exaggerating your podcast was able to get me to a place where you asked every question that i could say even if i've been asked them before it wasn't as proficient as your questions 
So I don't even think that you, there's nothing that you did not cover. <laughs> you, you covered everything. Well, thank you. But I can think of one more. <laughs> you know what? Because you know, you you I I grew up and as I said, I had I've had I have the trait. My my family members have the trait. I've actually had a cousin who died at the age of me too. Two. And oh wow, mine was twenty three. Yeah, from um, pneumonia from sickle cell, right? Mm hmm. Uh I and told you it's a complication. It is right? a complication, and I, I have the the um another cousin that has the pain episodes, and she has to be in the hospital and goes through all that. Mm -hmm. And is there, you know, because it's an inherited uh, illness, is there an age group that they say, okay, if you live beyond this age with sickle cell, you you're it's not normal. Um, once upon a time. I would have I would have said yes, but uh, in our current day and age in 2021, um, there have been people to defy that uh, that that odd, right? So I would have said if we were we were in 19, well if we were still in the 90s, even in the early 2000s, I would have said. Oh, there's an age, you know, there's a, there's an age and it stops at this because right. there is an age and it does, it does, there is an age, right? There is an age based on the fact that that's what science told people or told people to create that age and put that in the, in the universe for the physicians to follow and for the, the masses to follow. But what ended up happening is when we got to 2010, 2011, 12 and, and beyond, and now to 2022 coming up, we have seen that patients have lived um, all the way to, I believe the oldest lady was 85 years old living with sickle cell disease in, in Africa. So, and I believe she was from Ghana. Okay. And so, if I'm if I'm almost mistaken, let me see if I can, as I'm talking to you, get her information. But she passed away um, at the age of, I believe it was 85. So, there is no longer a limit to what age you can live with sickle cell. Now, before, they used to say 45. Okay. You, usually, they don't pass 45, 42. Sometimes they'd say um, 43, but people passed that. Um, I personally know somebody who was 65. You know, my, my aunt had a friend, and her, her friend had it, and she lived to 60-something. So, you know, T-Boz has it. Of course, T-Boz is a young girl, but, you know, her family members um, have lived past 50. So... I no longer would say that there is a limit. I wouldn't put, I would no longer even want to, want to, want to um, so create you, the thought. Yeah. So, so you're saying that, you know, that what, because medicine hasn't, in, hadn't involved then, then there was a life expectancy, but now you can live longer than what the average life expectancy is said to be previously. Exactly. 
Exactly. And, and you know, fortunately, um, her name is Asanta uh, Oniki, if I'm saying it right. She was the oldest sickle cell warrior, and she died at 84 from Nigeria. Um, now, what ended up happening is it, they, oh, sorry, sorry, they made a correction. Um, I, it said 84. Um, a, a publication put 84 out. Um, Navarro, which is a, a drug company um, in Nigeria, put out that she was 84. And somebody, I posted it, and somebody came into the comments and said, hey, um, they used to call her Mama Asante. So they said, Mama Asante, she actually was older than that. She was 94. She died at 94. So that was a correction that the publication had to make. And so as I'm looking at it now, as I'm talking to you, it said that the correction that was made is that she died at 94. And she was the oldest living woman with sickle cell disease, SS full-blown. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. So you said you put it on, and someone put it in your comments. So how do you use social media um, to have people learn more about patients with patients? So um, what's important is there's a lot of social media platforms that there's a lot of sickle cell platforms. And what the sickle cell community at large tries to do is they try to keep together by creating groups, creating, you know, um, social media forums. And so what we do in order for us to stay a relevant head of the cuff and, and be a part of it is we created our own forum. And we have a Patients with Patients Facebook where we tag anything we put up or any event we have, we actually tag those specific uh, sickle cell companies that and those groups online and we all basically share our information so what I do is I try to post on Instagram I really haven't uh, been posting recently um, I try to post if there's anything relevant I don't like to be one of those companies that just post just for posting sake mm. because um, people just post just to get the views and the likes but for us it's not about that it's more about getting people to understand that something is going on in their community or something there's, there's something happening. So usually if there's not anything happening, if there's no event, we won't really post unless we're trying to disseminate certain information. So, and we also like to also only do accurate information. So we don't like to disseminate anything that's inaccurate. So we'll make sure that we vet out information. But yes, Instagram, we're on Twitter, we're on um, on Facebook. Um, on Instagram, we are patients with patients is our handle on Instagram. On um, Twitter, our handle is PWP of America. And on Facebook, our handle is patients with patients of America. So it's the patients, you know, have patience with the patients. Our motto is the same thing. Have patience with patients. Okay. All right. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, if, if again, patience with patients, it's, it's not very hard um, to remember. Not very, hard, very easy. <laughs> remember, patience, patience, have mm -hmm. patience, have some patience, you know. <laughs> 
concert. So. Yep. And we have a volunteer volunteer application. If people want to apply to be a volunteer, they can go to the Facebook. They can click on um, the, you know, apply to be a volunteer. It'll automatically email us, and then we'll be able to sign people up to, you know, volunteer to our program. Either they can do anything from, you know, helping us with our with our design, our branding, our social media, everything. They can also help by helping an actual patient. So it just it just really depends on what volunteer options we have at the moment. It's Christmas time coming up, so we're gonna work on our Amazon handles right now. Okay. And do you have any events that are up that are coming up? Right now, um, we have a podcast because we get not a podcast, but I have um what's called we call it what's talk let's talk about it tv it's not considered a podcast but it's more of a live that we do we do an instagram live every so often so the next live is going to be um right before christmas it will be around the 23rd i think i'm going to do it on the 23rd it'll be actually posted once the date is solidified it'll be posted on the instagram on the social media sites as well as on the website uh, we're going to do the interview with the patient advocate that we have, Hannah. Her name is Hannah Delawar, and she is she's overcome having and dealing and battling with sickle cell disease. So we're going to do a little interview on her on our Let's Talk About It TV and really talk about what she went through because it was very traumatic, very crazy. And then when, imagine having sickle cell and then not having it anymore. Oh. What do you do then? Yeah. You've lived your life like not going in somewhere that's too cold, not going in the pool because you can't. Like as a kid, you couldn't do certain things. And now all of a sudden, you don't have any restrictions. Imagine that. Your mind is like, okay, so now what do I do? <laughs> so I, we, you know, we, we kind of want to really pick her brain <laughs> and see how she's doing. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I will definitely hop on and 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 view it. I think that's a Please great, do. great, 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 great podcast or um, live TV. Whatever you do, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll yep. definitely support. Yeah. Let's talk about it. TV live. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it. TV live. Well, it's co- it's at the come the time where it's at the end of the podcast. I'm so yes, so darling. excited that you came on and discussed patients with patients and also your journey with um, sickle cell, because I I don't really hear a lot about it. And it, it, it exists. It exists in the minority community. And that's the problem too. You know, it's very difficult how you never, ever, ever hear much about it, but it's there. It does exist. And people are, you know, dealing with it. People are, are, every day they are dealing with this disease and it's so hard because you know nobody's talking yeah nobody's talking everybody's silently dealing with their own things you know yeah that's so true Mm -hmm. well thank you so much it's been an absolute pleasure and thank you to everyone that's listening and learning and hopefully they go on your page they donate or if they want to volunteer um they volunteer it's a absolutely great cause. So thank you, everyone. And thank you, Melanie, for taking some time. Thank to you so talk much for having class. us. We thank you so much for the opportunity. We loved it. And I and I really actually loved just at least having the moment to talk to you because at least the more we spread the word about 
this disease and and all the chronic illness diseases that that people go through you know it's just each one teacher and if you have one that knows then somebody else will say hey you know what i know too you know and so that's all we need just just to to be aware just to be aware so i'm gonna end it with the each one teach one all right all right thank you everyone bye guys